church how you guys doing good just awesome um i'm privileged enough to be up here to sing in this next song we're just talking about how there's nothing like the presence of god and that's continually the preaching of all the leadership here especially john owen candace um john realizes it's not him he's not going to change your lives but it's going to be the presence of god and that's why 
even before when we're in here and we're praying the leadership John singing so loud and so powerfully and he just sings the lyrics set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain that I can't control because he wants to see Thornton set on fire by the presence of God that we would see people move we would see miracles we would see healing we would see lives changed marriages changed relationships restoration and relationships with broken relationships with with fathers and their children mothers and their children we would see restoration and that's what we're just going to ask so i'm just going to pray right now god we thank you so much for your presence there's nothing like it and i know that you holy spirit you can flood this place and you can break down the walls that we held up for so long and you can make us soft and tender again to love people in a way we never thought we could so I thank you so much for your presence. Continue to change us every day and let your presence be what people in here chase after. Never anyone in this building, but after you, you, Jesus Christ, the perfect man. We thank you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love. I want more of you, God. Yes, I want more of you, God. Instead of 
wants to meet you here. If you feel like you've given every last thing, that every last thing was taken from you, there is hope here today. He is here to meet with you. He is here to find you. but go into hiding with him. If you have a heavy burden today, I don't know, I feel like this is so strong and I know Pastor John is gonna speak about this today, but 
just the overwhelming sense of just being overwhelmed, just feeling like you have given it all and you have nothing left to give. But God is here today to meet with you and to tell you that there is more. That there is a reason that it was taken from you, that there's a reason why you don't have it anymore. Because he wants to give you something better. He wants to replace it. And all you have to do is take that step towards him today. Just one single little ounce of trust. Go into that place with God today. Let him be your hiding place. Don't hide from him. Hide with him today.
raise our voices. Let's just ask God to come. Just, just pray in your own words, just asking God do what he wants to do in your life. Heavenly Father, just, just come down, Lord God. We want your presence more than anything else, God. We want to honor you as king in this house more than anywhere else, in our lives more than anything else, Lord God. Heaven, come down, Lord God, and reign in this house, Lord God, that there is nothing in here, Lord God, that can be Lord God, be kept from you, Lord God. Every chain, every hardship, every addiction, every depression, every oppression can be broken in the name of Jesus. When the King is here, everything bows in the name of Jesus. Oh, heaven, come down, Lord God. Just raise your voice. Oh, even if you've never done it before, just ask God to come down. The simplest way, there's no secret to it, it's just saying, God, speak to our hearts. God, I, there is a part in my life that needs to be set free. We need heaven to come down, Lord God. We need king, and we need your kingdom, Lord God. Lord God, come down, Lord God. Heaven, come down. Oh, heaven, come down. Oh, we ask of you, we ask of you. Oh, heaven, come just up. Couple more moments, oh heaven, come down. Oh heaven, come down. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. Oh, yours is the glory, Lord. Come on, sing it with me. Yours, yours is the kingdom.
one last time. Yours is the king. Just raise your hands with me. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory for just one more time. Last time. With hands raised. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory Let's give God praise. Woo! Man. You guys can be seated. Thank you for being here. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. take any credit for that um we just I just want to pray and I just want to say God that if there are people here God and they've never experienced your presence God that we thank you so much that heaven came down into this crazy school cafeteria today for us God we're so just unworthy of you God so God, I thank you that you meet us right where we're at, God. That it doesn't matter how we walked in here, that none of us are perfect, God, but that you love us just the way we are. And God, that we can be a mess together, God, but that we're gonna come into this place, God, every Sunday, and then we're gonna ask for heaven to fall in our lives, God. That we're gonna ask for you to make a difference, God, in our world, God, where it can seem so crazy, God, where it can seem so hopeless, God. We're gonna ask for you to move, God, in this place, God, and in our lives, God, as we walk out of here, God, every week, God, that we, God, would just get such a passion, God, to let others know you, God, to let others experience, God, just a piece of heaven in their lives, just a piece of your grace, God, and your love and your presence, God, that nothing can compare to. So, God, I thank you for meeting us here today. There's nothing like your presence. So we thank you so much. In Jesus' name. So we just want to greet you guys and just say, um, just what I was saying, like none of us are perfect, right? We all come in here and we all have things going on. I mean, there's craziness this week. There's like a fire, like on 136 in Quebec. There's like a shooting, like close to there where a young girl that was 16 got shot and killed. And that is why we're here. So if you don't know what our church is about, it's not to meet here and just worship and hang out and, and just have fun together. And we are totally all about that. But it's so we can be a light to the world around us because if we're not doing that, then what good is this, right? So we're just so glad you guys are here. We're so just excited that God meets us here more and more every Sunday because um, we can't do this without him, right? 
I can't. I don't know about you, but I definitely, I just cannot do life without God. So thank you for being here. And um, we're just excited for today. And we're excited to do life with you. Tonight um, at five, we have our last like summer picnic. So you can bring your own food. We're just going to hang out. It's right behind Rocky Top Middle School. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We're all a little crazy in our own way. So just come be crazy with us. Eat and have fun. And we'd love to see you there at five today. The guys can come forward. We are uh, going to prepare to give. And we always, uh, I love what Candace is saying. I, I call it the, I call church the beautiful mess, right? It's a beautiful mess. It's, a, it's, it's messy, but it's just beautiful. I want to be a part of it. And, uh, and uh, if you are perfect and every, you got everything together, this might not be the place for you. You can hang out with the angels and Jesus somewhere, you know. But this is a place where just we come together knowing that we all, we all come with things in our lives and we all come in areas that we need to grow. But we believe that God, that Jesus changes everything. He really does. He is the start of just something fresh. And I don't know what you guys are going through this week. I've been praying a lot for you guys this week, just knowing that um, just, uh, just the same thing Kansas was saying, just a lot of craziness, a lot of attack going on, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to pray for the offering as you guys prepare to give, and knowing that uh, as you give, this is going to, towards the vision of this church to, for people to encounter Jesus in this room, outside of this room, so that they, they can become family and find their purpose and engage this world. Our, our, our belief is that we are filled to, be, to pour out every time. You're not filled to keep it. Don't keep it. Say it. Don't keep it. Man, don't hold on to things in this world so tight. It, 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 it's all garage sale stuff. Everything of value in your life, the stuff that we have is future garage sale stuff. Your giant screen TV, I don't care how big it is, one day you're going to trash it. Right? I remember I bought a, a, a you, do you guys remember when a computer, like, like laptops, big laptops were popular? You'd buy like a 20 inch laptop for like three grand. And now the laptops are like 11 inches. You're like, why do I have a 20 inch laptop? In the same way, what you thought was treasure is actually becomes junk. It's so funny how quickly junk happens, right? And, and so I'm just saying, don't hold on to the things that don't matter. There's only one thing in your life that you can take with you, and that's people, that's your family, that's your friends, that's souls, that's the lost, that's the people that might not be in this room today that you have your heart so broken over. I always think about this. Sometimes I can't believe it for myself because I have close, my, I have like my mom is, does not know Christ and it, sometimes it so weighs on me and, I, and sometimes I can't believe for her. You know, I'm like, I, it's not, it might not happen for her. But it's so easy to believe for someone else, right, than to believe for yourself. And that's why we need one another. We're just built so uh, just in need of real family and real community. So that's what you're giving to. And if this place has changed your life or has increased your life, give to the vision of this place. Give to the vision. Heavenly Father, as we give, we love you. I pray, Lord God, your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord God. Because yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, Lord God. Let that be our desire. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you guys for your giving. Thank you guys for your giving. Good morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is John. And I'm one of the leaders here, and I am just very grateful that you guys are here. Today is an 
is a, uh, is a good day. It's a good day. We're going through the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 1. All right. We love the Word of God. We believe it changes lives. And we have been going through Mark for the last five weeks, which is awesome. And we're still in the middle of chapter 1. So that just tells you at, at the pace we're walking. But I, I hope that you guys are growing in faith because all we're doing is this whole thing is called Meet Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. Mark was the first book that was written about Jesus 20 years after his resurrection. So Mark would, Mark would say things like, if you don't believe me, talk to Carol. I mean, it, it, Mark would write in a way that you could actually go to the person that saw it happen and say, okay, Carol, what happened? And my, he's like, that really happened. Oh, I'm going to go back to Mark. He did write about it. And he would, he would tell, uh, he, and you could see it in the Gospels. It's written in a historic context of saying, all right, if, if these people saw him, and he, it's, it's like naming people, naming groups, because it's not just the story that they're telling. They're documenting what has happened. And Mark is just one of the bo books, one of the Gospels written about Jesus. And, and what I want to do is reintroduce Jesus to you because sometimes we can get lost in the mess of things. We know all sorts of things about Jesus. If you grew up in church, like you knew almost every answer. If you grew up in Sunday school, every answer was Jesus or you were very close. Like who, like uh, what is love? Jesus. That's not what I meant, but I can't say no, right? You know? But you know what I mean? Like every answer was Jesus and it was so easy to just do that. And we grew up and we just, and we just, uh, we just say it out loud and we just, we don't really know the depth. So I was like, all right, we're going to go through the gospels of what God's talking about. And we're going to learn who he is and who he wants us to know him as. And the first verse of, uh, of Mark, it tells, it is the thesis or is the, is the statement for the whole book. And it says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he says, pretty much. Jesus is the Son of God. That is the thesis of Mark, and he's trying to tell you uh, through what he's writing who Jesus is as the Son of God. And, and last week we learned the first statement that Jesus spoke was repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he doesn't say it like he's on a soapbox yelling like, turn and burn, repent. You know, he, he's not doing that stuff. But he means, he was saying, repent, think again. Think again. Look again at what I'm doing. And, and the word gospel is not, if you don't know, the word gospel is not a Bible word. The word gospel is like actually a historic word. The word gospel comes up in, uh, in Greek and Roman writing like the gospel of Caesar Augustus or the gospel of the Battle of Marathon where the Persians attacked Greece and, and, and the, the Grecians won the battle and that they sent out heralds, heralds also known as evangelists. And the evangelist would go out and say, look what we've, look, we fought for you, we've won, and now you're no longer slaves, you're free. That's the gospel message, that, that there was a life-altering moment for you that was done for you that has changed your status forever. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel Jesus is talking about. It's life-changing news that was done for you, that God sent a hero to save us because we could not save ourselves. So he laid down his life, taking on our punishment for sin, our guilt, our shame on the cross. And, uh, and Tim Keller writes this, and Tim Keller is a, a guy that I like to read, and he's just uh, this theologian in Manhattan, and I, I, I love listening to him because he's this old 70-year-old dude, and his church is just filled with 20-year-olds, right? It's like the fastest 20-year-old growing church, and he just talks like a professor, and I'm like, why does everyone love him? But I love him. 
right? But I, he said this, we have a, the cross symbolizes this. We have a God far more holy than any legalist can bear because Jesus had to die uh, because we could not satisfy God's holy demand. Yet we have a God far more loving than any liberal can ever imagine because Jesus had to die because he loves us so much. That's the gospel that leads to repentance. And repentance is not confession to get God off our backs because we did something wrong. You know, sometimes that's how we grew up as kids. Now you, all right, you did something bad. Now repent, say, say your confession of what you did bad to get God off your back so you can be on this good side. No, that is not repentance. That's like, that's like us trading like, all right, I'm going to say magic prayers so, God, you can continue to bless us. No, that's, that's not the heart of repentance. Repentance is a privilege knowing that you want to remove anything between you and God because you love him so much, because you know what he has done for your life. Repentance is a joy and understanding because God has died for you and that he has taken the cross for you. And that is the heart of repentance. And when you repent, it's not like I'm so sad. I'm, God, I don't want anything to be in the way between me and you. I, I want nothing to stand in my view of you, God. I want us to be as close as we can, and our life should be filled with repentance. Like, a, like food, we should be always at the table of repentance. And that's where we're picking it up in Mark, and uh, we're on verse 16 in chapter 1. I'm going to read a lot of verses to you today, so uh, get ready if you have your Bibles. Uh, Mark 1, 16, all right? Passing along the, uh, the, uh, alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brothers of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brothers, who were there mending uh, in their boats, mending their nets. So they're in their boats, mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. I was like, dang, they just left dad in the dust. They're like, sorry, dad, we're out. And I was just thinking about that. That's so crazy. But it reminds me of a story, uh, and, 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 it, it, and something like this happened in my life, all right? Maybe it was totally different, but I'm going to tell you my story anyway. I remember I was working at GHX, which is Global Healthcare Exchange. Uh, I was working with Paul Frank, and, and uh, I, it was a beautiful Thursday, and I was doing my job as Tier 1 customer support, helping my suppliers and uh, helping uh, the hospital systems with technical issues. That's what I used to do in my past. It's awesome. We used to work with the EDI, with the Electronic Data Information Systems, right? Yeah, really fun, Okay. So this is what I used to do. And, 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 and I, I, was, I, I loved my job. It was fun, you know? And, and then suddenly I get this I am, which is like instant message. I know we don't do that anymore. You remember I aming? Anyone remember I aming, right? It started with AOL, then, then Yahoo, and then MSN. But uh, we, Candace and I, we used to I am a lot when she was in, in Africa. Uh, she, was, uh, she was doing her practicum in, uh, in Africa, and we would I am back and forth. And I could only talk to her in the, in the morning, so I would, I would chat with her. And, and it was, I was like, how are you doing? Right? It, was, it, was, it, was, it was our way of texting, and it was free. All right? That was back in the day where, where phones were only free between 9 to 9. Okay? Right? You guys know that. But, uh, but uh, we, we were on our IM, and then there was a message that was sent to me at work on my IM that changed my life. And it said, it wrote, do you want to go see Dave Matthews tonight? I was like, well, and what you don't know about me is I'm a huge Dave Matthews fanboy, all right? 
I love Dave Matthews. I've been listening to him for years, and I, 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 I even have a Dave Matthews lower back tattoo. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have one. But uh, I, I, I have, like, all his albums. I have, like, all his live DVDs. And you can ask Candace. I have all these things at my house, and I used to listen to Dave Matthews live DVDs all the time, and Dave was the reason I learned guitar, right? And, and here was, out of nowhere, I'd never been to his concert. It was my bucket list moment, and without even thinking, I wrote, yes, I'm going, right? I didn't care what Candace thought. I, I, didn't, I didn't care about the price. Uh, I just knew I couldn't miss this moment, I was, uh, and I was willing to take the backlash for the goal at hand. It was Dave Matthews. I don't know if you're anyone like Dave Matthews, or is that too old school, right? All right, good. Good. I'm glad you guys like him too. Some of you guys and the others are. Who's, who's Dave Matthews? <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on you. Right? Yeah, like, maybe that's was REO Speedwagon, right? You guys were at that concert. Yeah, those over there, I won't say, but my hands are over there. But it's like that to me, I guess. But maybe uh, just, uh, I was just thinking about this moment. Uh, maybe this moment for these fishermen, they were in their boats, and they leave dad in the dust, right? These guys were fishermen. They were on the low of the social economic status. They weren't the smartest dudes. And out of nowhere, a rabbi named Jesus says, come and follow me. And in our culture, in today's culture, that might not mean much. But in their culture, when a rabbi says, follow me, or even when you get a chance to be with a rabbi, that is high esteem. Only the best and the brightest and all the students, you know, we, want to, we tell our kids to be doctors or lawyers or whatever, you know. And back then, they would say, you want to be a student of a rabbi. That was the esteem of that position to be called by a rabbi or to be under a rabbi. And, and, and so the, it, these guys, these smelly fishermen, they could not miss out in this moment. And immediately they take off. And I want to say this for many of us. The call of God is disruptive. It is not always going to be so easy like, oh, I'm going to say my magic prayer and then God's going to make everything right in my life. No, someone, sometimes the call of God is going to ask from you what you're not willing to give up. It's disruptive. And, and, and it might change what you do in life. And Jesus is asking more than anything, I want first place, first passion. I want the reins. I want the driver's seat. And, I, and it's not a call of simple faith. It's a call to action. Faith must lead to action or it's not faith. It's just want. It has to lead. If you really believe in God, that he is the creator of the world, of the universe, and he's calling you into your life, you don't say, I raised my hand in church, now I believe God. Like, how crazy would that be, right? It's like, oh, I'm the God of the universe. Okay, I raised my hand, I said the prayer. Like, we're, we're set, right? God's like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm asking you to come and follow me. It's disruptive. There, there is a, it's a call to action. It demands a response to good news. And if you're a Christian and not much has changed in your life since following Jesus, I would say we're half Christian. We haven't done the part that God has asked us to follow him. We like the part where Jesus saves our lives, changes our hearts, and forgives us of our sin, but we're not responding to the good news. To say, I can't believe what you have done. I owe you everything, God. I can't, I can't keep anything from you if that is truly the good news in my life, God. See, he's not asking for us to quit our jobs, but he's asking us to be under new managements. 
to have a new boss. See, Colossians 3.23 says, So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. You got a new boss. That's what it's saying. Change is mandatory. And so I'm going to continue reading in Mark, and this is a scripture we're going to really get into. Mark 1.21, it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered into the synagogue or in the church. So he, Jesus, is in the church, and he's teaching. Verse 22, And they were astonished at his teaching because they taught as one who had authority. Say authority. Authority. So they heard the teachers before, and they're like, Ah, oh, these guys are so lame. So they thought church was boring too. Think about that. They were like, oh, this Jesus, he's different. He's teaching with authority. That's different. Because I've heard Jesus, I've heard these other teachers without authority, but this guy is teaching with authority. And immediately, verse 23, there was a, in the synagogue, in the church, a man with an unclean spirit. He's saying a demon was in the church, and he cried out. Sometimes we think we're safe because we are surrounded by Christians or we're in the church. We're not safe. There's unclean spirits in the synagogue, in the church. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In verse 25, But Jesus rebuked him with authority, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and cried out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. And I'm sure they were afraid. And so they questioned among themselves. And they said, what is this? Say, what is this? I'm going to drink some of this. What is this? There's moments in our life that God does something and we're going to say, what is this, God? What are you doing, God? And it brings fear in our life, amazement sometimes, and sometimes we're afraid. But he's saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding regions of Galilee. I don't know if you believe in demons or not, but if you experienced them, you would. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that. More than ever in our culture, we talked about how spirituality is, uh, is in the forefront. We see supernatural things. We see, uh, we see all throughout media, supernatural, darkness, evil, things we can't explain. And even this week, uh, some of you guys have been, uh, have been feeling an attack from the enemy, from spiritual things. I got a call this week saying, pray for us. We're, I feel like we're being spiritually attacked over and over again. And if you would be honest, some of us in this room, some of you feel under attack. I don't know if you feel this way this week, but I've been getting a lot of calls and a lot of things that are just disruptive this week of just things that are not good. A spiritual battle maybe in your family, on your health, at your work, in your mind. Some of you guys are gripped by fear, gripped by anxiety, confusion, oppression. Some of you guys have been dealing with the same issue over and over and over and over again. And that's just, oh, that's torment dealing with the same thing going through your mind and you're trying to defeat it and it comes back and you know it's not true but it's just you are tormented by thoughts tormented by emotions tormented by your past and I'm telling you it's spiritual it's spiritual Paul says it this way the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 12 for our struggle is not against flesh and blood he's saying it is not physical your struggle you think it's physical it's not 
physical, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness of the, this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is trying to tell us why we struggle or continue to struggle. And he's saying the battle is a battle you cannot see, but it's just real as you and me. The battle is something you might not be able to see. It's not, it's, not, it's not Bruce from accounting, all right? It's not a person. It's not your spouse. But there's a battle going on in the heavenlies. And, and if you believe it or not, I'm telling you, it's going on. It's going on. And for some of us, we've been playing around with darkness. We think, ah, no, it, nothing will happen. I can open this part of my life up. I can do this. I can, I can just sneak around here. It's, it's okay. And I'm, I'm telling you, and it's going to go bad for you. You play with fire long enough, it's going to go bad for you. If you let depression long enough, it's going to go bad for you. If you have ought in your relationship, in your marital relationship, and you don't take care of it, and you don't let God heal you in these areas, at some point... The wound cannot be hidden anymore. There's an infection that takes place. We can hide our cuts and bruises, and we can hide the things that are going wrong with us, but it, at some point, if you don't take care of the cause, it's going to go bad for you. Infection is going to set in. Sometimes in our lives, we, well, what we like to do is we like to knock out the symptoms, but not knock out the sickness. You know what I mean? As long as, as, long as the symptoms are gone, I'm still going to be okay. I'm still going to be okay. But I'm telling you, you know at some point the illness is going to get you. The infection is going to get you. It's going to pop up. And, and, and I believe we have opened doors, some of us, in our lives for demonic activity. And we call it, oh, that's just normal. It's okay. It's, no, it's okay. And we've invited it in. And some of us are not even aware and we don't even know how to protect ourselves. And so today I want to talk about like biblical like self-defense class almost. Right? Right? Say, it's, I don't know. I, has anyone ever taken a self-defense class? Anyone? Raise their hand. Yeah. It, it's funny. Now, it, it's funny that you like, they, I, I took a self-defense class once. I don't know. I was like in high school or something. And they say yell fire. <laughs> as you're, as you yell fire as you're punching and running and pokey guys. Because people run towards fire, and they don't run towards help. <laughs> help! They're like, nope, I'm gone. You're fire! Oh, fire, I want to see what's going on in fire. <laughs> so they're like, yell fire, because people are nuts, and they won't help you when you yell help. I was like, thank you, people. <laughs> right? Thank you for being awesome. But I want to I teach you, uh, not with holy water, but with the holy word of God, that you are not defenseless. You have authority. Say authority. You have power over darkness, power over attacks, power over torment, power over oppression, and in chaos, we need to learn how to fight the right fight. And I want to give you a couple steps. It's a three-stepper. And number one is the word attack. Attack. Know your enemy. How to fight the right fight? Number one, attack. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Satan will not outwit us, providing we understand his schemes. Know your enemy, his tactics. While Jesus was speaking in the synagogue, this demon-possessed man starts screaming out. This man was not in control. He was possessed. He was overtaken. And throughout the Bible, you will see demonic attacks. King Saul in the Old Testament was afflicted by an evil spirit, it says, and it threw him into rage. I don't know if you've ever dealt with rage. It threw him into deep depression and, 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 and uncontrolled jealousy. 
If you've ever dealt with these things, and if you've ever dealt with uncontrolled jealousy, it's insane. Because I remember in, in my own life, I would deal with jealousy in such a strong way. And, I, and Candace knows, and I tell this story every once in a while, because I didn't think that I could be so out of control with jealousy, right? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? I got, I got it all under control. I, I pray enough. And, and then there was a moment where, uh, where I started getting jealous of Candace, and I would start questioning her, like, where have you been? <laughs> Straight up. Like, where are you going? Let me read your phone. Da, da, da. And, and it starts getting out of control. And you were like, you were, I was like hounding her because I didn't trust her. And then, then you're mad at her for something she didn't do that's just in your mind. It is psycho. And it, it happened for just weeks upon weeks. It might even happen for months. And I, I asked God, this has to stop. I am losing my mind. I'm losing my mind, God. And it just went out of control. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with rage or anger in that way, where rage just starts to, just starts to take over, or depression starts to take over, or negativity starts to take over. And everything you see is that. And you are not in control anymore. That is the attack of the enemy. And, and, and Jesus knows this. Judas Iscariot was filled with Satan. He started, it started out with greed, then turned to hate, and turned to murder, and then it turned to suicide for Judas. Peter was rebuked by Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. What he meant was you are being influenced by Satan trying to stop what God is trying to do in my life from my destiny. So from depression to hate to influence, we can get attacked. Here's four ways demons attack us. And uh, number one is accuser. We are, he's, uh, Satan and demons are accusers, throwing out constant accusation. And you can find in Revelations 12.10, Satan is actually called the accuser of the brother or the brethren, if you read in King James, right? But some of you today hear voices and you're accused. And it says you're a failure. I don't know if you've ever dealt with these thoughts. You're a failure. Even though life is perfect, you're a failure. You cannot be forgiven. You're beyond love. You're beyond God's love. You should kill yourself. You always will be this way. Accusation. And you think it's low self-esteem or negative self-image, but really, you're under attack. Another way is deceiver. Genesis 3, we see that Satan deceives and tempts, right? He's a deceiver. From Genesis, Satan has been trying to convince people that you don't need God. You don't need church. People don't like you here. They're like, don't go to church. People don't like you here, right? You're fine doing your own thing, filling our hearts with apathy, giving us enough religion, but no transformation. Many became fans of Jesus and not followers of Jesus. That's the best way Satan can deceive us, to say this is enough. Your faith, that you just being a fan of Jesus is enough. You don't need to become a follower. You don't, need to, uh, you don't need to change anything in your life. You just add Jesus. It's plus one, right? Just add Jesus to your life. And Jesus says, no, I want the whole thing, man. I, I'm, not an added, I don't want to just, I'm not an add-on to your life. I'm not a puzzle piece that you get, to, you get to just put into your life. I change everything. And so we might be deceived. Uh, another one is tempter. And you'll find in 1 Thessalonians 3.5, leading you into temptation, online temptation. And I know, I know for sure there is many of us in here that are tempted so bad online. 
It's just truth. I don't care. Pornography is so rampant in men and women. And if we were like, oh, we're all good. Like, I wear my Jesus shirt. Like, come on. I know you're tempted. I know you're tempted. I'm tempted. If I'm tempted, you're tempted. Not saying I'm even that good. I'm just saying we all struggle in areas that are different, but we all struggle and we are all tempted. And so if we just fake, and the worst thing we can do is fake each other out. Like, how are you doing? I'm good. Like, that's how Christians do. How are you doing, Julie? Good, God. Blessed, right? I'm blessed too. Oh, great. Everyone must be good, right? Everyone must be happy. I, might, I must be the only crazy one in this room. You ever think that? Because everyone's blessed and happy. Marriage is going good. They're giving me the Facebook thumbs up. If you ever go through Facebook, you think everyone's good and everyone's on vacation, right? Then you go to their house and you're like, your house is messier than mine, <laughs> right? But it's crazy because we, we live in this weird, false media, this thought everyone's good. And the worst thing we can do is say, I'm good. You're good when we're really dealing with issues. This week, I was talking to a pastor. And uh, for some reason, I said, how are you doing? And he's like, I- I'm good. And I was like, I said, how's your family? He says, it's miserable. I'm going through the toughest time in my life. My son is addicted uh, to substances. And I could have never got that out of him if I didn't push in. And, and because we're all good, especially pastors. If you're in a room full of pastors, ask them how they're doing. Blessed. I'm like, high five, right? I'm blessed too, I guess. And, and he starts telling me what he's going through. And we sit there for about 30 minutes just talking about what he's going through. Then I, I share some of my life and my substance abuse. And he's like, can you talk to my family member? And I was like, we would have never got here if you weren't honest. And if we're not honest with one another in our groups and in our friendships and in the depth, uh, then everyone thinks they're good. And when they're doing bad, they think that they're different, that something's wrong with them, that God doesn't love them. And we fake it out in church way too hard. And it's so crazy that we do, knowing that we're messy too. You do not need to fake it to make it. I know we've been taught that in church, but that is an absolute lie. You won't make it. You will not make it. We weren't supposed to make it. We weren't supposed to fake it in church. This was the one real place that God want us, wanted us to be, where we could really be family, really be open, and really help people be set free from an under attack. And so I'm just saying, man, really dive in to people's lives, because if everyone's good, that's crap. Sorry. That, it just is. That's garbage, man. That's the worst thing that you can do. Can we be honest so that Jesus could reign as king in our lives, that he could be healer in our lives, that there's no demonic thing that can have uh, that's power over our lives? Because when you speak it, it sets you free just a little bit. You got to speak it. Because when you bring sin into light, it, it, it opens you up for God to heal. And as long as you pin it down and you stop speaking and you don't let people know, you don't let people in, that's a way to lock yourself up. You think that's a way to set yourself free? I'm telling you, that's the way. Isolation is the way to lock yourself up. It says, the next one was murder, murderer, John 8, 44. And uh, Peter says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And what, the, what lions do is they pick the weakest one. They pick the one in isolation. They pick the one with the limp. And right when they are not expecting it, they, they go at it. Man, they attack. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we need one another. That's why people group up. Because the devil, the lion, he's trying to pick you off. Pick you off. So those are ways. Accuser, deceiver, tempter. 
murderer. Murderer. Even this week, there was a murder that took place like three blocks from my house. And uh, next door to Lindsay, actually. And she woke up and she thought it was fireworks, but they were gunshots. And a young 16-year-old girl from North Glen High School passed away. Thornton? Thornton High School passed away. 16-year-old girl at the wrong place at the wrong time. Thought it was another day of just partying during the weekend or during the week and boom, done, man. And I was just thinking, man, we have an enemy that wants to take us out, wants us to play games, wants us to open every door to darkness. I'm telling you, murderer, murderer. The next point is access. Close the doors. That's what you need to do. Close the doors. It's time to close the doors from the attacks in our lives, from, fa- from attacks on our family, on our mind. And here's some doors that are open. And I'm going to be straight up. Sexual sin. Sexual sin. That is a straight up, that's going to open doors. There's just something about sex and sexuality that the Bible talks differently of, how it opens up your life. It, it just opens up places in your spirit, that the spirit is connected to, our, uh, to sexual sin. And, Jesus, and Paul talks about it a lot. Unforgiveness is another one. If there's unforgiveness in your life, there's always going to be an open door. There just is. I don't know if you've ever struggled with unforgiveness. Anyone here ever struggle with unforgiveness? Me too. For like decades, I would be like, what's wrong with me? Like, and and I would, the thought of my father would enrage me until I was 29 years old. And I was like, I can't believe it took so long for me to get over this. I was in ministry. I was doing Jesus stuff, but I was out of control in a moment. I would go into full outrage in a moment. And I tell you stories about me trying to fight people in King Super's parking lots. And if you missed it, I'll tell you later. But I would go into full outrage very quickly. And I'm like, what is absolutely wrong with me? I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> right? Uh, there was a girl that came to church once and I, I, was, I used to play in a basketball league and I told you this story. And she said, I know you. And I was like, oh, and I was the pastor at the church at, Th- at Thrive. She's like, oh, you're a pastor here? I know you. I saw you. You try to fight my uncle. And in that moment, I was like, I got an issue. <laughs> and I was like, what's wrong with me, God? It's, but when we leave unforgiveness, when we leave that door open, I'm telling you, Satan and demons will rage right into that door. You got to break it. And we break it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We break it understanding what God has done for us and we respond to what God has done for us, not what has happened to us. You have to respond with joy to what God has done for you. Not what we think we deserve, the, the, uh, the apology we deserve. And I, you know, we never turn, we never know the whole story anyway. I used to blame my dad for everything, but I'm sorry that he grew up right after the war. 
and that his parents went and, and, and saw death all over. You know, some, some of our parents and some of our, uh, our grandparents, they went through war like seriously. They saw death everywhere. They grew up in painful situations. And I never put this into perspective because I grew up in America and everything's peachy and I never had to go through war and everything was high five, right? And then I would keep this against them not knowing what they've been through because they had to keep it to themselves because that's what they thought they needed to do. And as I put myself in my dad's perspective, I set him free. I released him, and it released me. Some of us, we need to release it. Let it go. Listen to Elsa. Let it go. Yeah, let it go. Don't, won't hold me back anymore, right? Unforgiveness, bitterness, drunkenness, gossip. Man, just shut that up. Gossip, please. Go to the person. Lies, idolatry, worshiping anything other than God, from things to hobbies to sports, self-righteousness, thinking of yourself way too much, right? Separating all these things separate us from God. And, then, and it's God, making God distant, his grace small, and life hollow. It does. It makes life so hollow when we live in this. And what we need, we need to clean house and close the doors. What spiritual doors have you opened don't wait. Don't linger anymore. It's making a dwelling in you, and you don't even know it. Ask God to show you, reveal it, close the door, pray for real, for your family, for your future, because your future really does depend on it. And number three is authority in Jesus. And we're, we're about to close. Think about the word authority. Authority. Mark 1, 25 to 27, re Jesus rebukes the spirit in authority. He says, be silent and come out. It's not this long, drown-out prayer. It's just knowing that Jesus has the authority to, to take anything out. If there's a spiritual attack in your life and you're dealing with things in your mind, know that Jesus has the authority to take it out. He just does. That's where we have to put our faith in. And what Satan does not want you to know is your authority in Jesus. I'm telling you, the term authority literally means the word authority. Think of the word authority. It means, it means out of the original stuff. That's what the word authority means. In the same root as the word author. Authority, author, right? So when Jesus spoke, he spoke as the one as he, he was writing the story. He, he spoke as like Quentin Tarantino. I don't know if you've ever seen a Tarantino movie. He puts himself in every movie, right? And it's Jesus. He puts himself into our world, and he's writing the story. He has the authority. And as the one writing the story, Jesus has that sort of authority. And when he says, be silent and come out of him, that's what happens. That's what happens, right? Listen, church, Satan is real. His work is real. His power is real. But you have authority in Jesus Christ. Let's stand. I want you to think of it one last way. Think of it this way, right? There's big MMA fighters. Josh Copeland in the back, he's an MMA fighter, and he's big, and his hands are the size of my face, right? And if he hit me, I'd cry. i straight up cry. That's why I can't be an MMA fighter. I would cry in the ring. But I was thinking about this. Big MMA fighters, they have power. But the referee, he has authority. No matter how powerful that man is in the ring, when the ref says stop, it's over. When he says you lose, it's done. 
because he has the last word he has the last say and if Jesus is in you you have the last say you have authority see in Colossians 3, 2 13 to 15 it says you were dead because of your sin because your sinful nature was not yet cut away then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it on the cross in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities the demons he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross see sin and rebellion we have joined Satan in his war against God but in repentance and faith in Jesus his work on the cross the power of sin is canceled our freedom is granted in Jesus so to gain authority you have to put yourself under authority to gain authority, you have to put yourself under Jesus' authority. And when you're under Christ, you have his authority. Ooh, so good. Oh, give God a hand. You don't need to do it. When you have the when you have the king's ring on, you have authority. I'm telling you, you have authority. You don't need me to pray for you. You don't need to you need to pray to Jesus for authority. You don't need me to do things for you. There's, you need to learn the authority of God. But we do pray for another. And as we pray together, know you have the authority of God. And as you submit, as you fall under the authority of Jesus, it's time to close the doors, stop living life like you have no say, no control, no authority. Say this with me. I have the authority. With, say it with authority. I have the authority. That's right. One last time. I have the authority. Let's close today. Let's, let's close our eyes. If you're in this room today and you have chains in your life, you have things that need to be broken in your life, and it might be depression, it might be a view of yourself, it might be suicidal thoughts or torment, you feel like the same thing you've been dealing with over and over and over again and you're confused, it could be confusion or anger or fear or lust or any of those things. If you're in this room, just raise your hands and say, God, I need your authority. Just raise your hands. I think all of us have something, Heavenly Father. Go through this room, God, bring healing. Heavenly Father, just be with us that we know we have authority. But next thing I want to tell you, you can put your hands down. If you need prayer, I want to pray for you to set you free once and for all. I'm not saying that I have anything, but I have Jesus Christ and we have Jesus here. And if you need prayer because you've prayed before and it's, sometimes it's easier to believe for someone else than to believe for yourself, I want to open up the front and we're going to just pray for you. Our leaders are going to put their hands on you and on your back and they're going to pray over you. But if you're in this room and you need God to set you free, please come forward. Uh, please come forward. I'm asking you to be brave and come forward. I'm asking you. I'll be praying for you right now. Come on. Come forward if you need prayer. We don't do this often, but I want to pray for you. Yeah. And if my leaders can come and surround these guys, Heavenly Father, be here. Just take a moment.
to know their name and just pray for them. Ask them.
you are doing and what you have done, Lord God. I pray as we go today, we go under authority, God. We put you over ourselves, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, that you are king and we are put ourselves below you and we have the authority of the king in our lives. That Jesus came and sent his very best, his very own, so that we could be his very own, God. And we thank you. That brings us so much joy. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Give God praise, guys. Thank you guys for coming. Continue to invite and uh, be with us today in the park at 5 o'clock at Northern Lights. It's just a time to play. And thank you guys. God bless you guys. God bless you guys.